Fishing for a show aimed at the outdoor enthusiast? Tune in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, Saturday at 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern on Rural Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 147, and on the Sirius XM app. Welcome in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops. If you love fishing, hunting, and the great outdoors and want to make it even better, you're in the right place with host Rob Keck. Your adventure starts right here. Good morning and welcome, and thanks for tuning in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops, where truly your adventure starts right here. I'm Rob Keck, your host, and I sincerely hope that you're having a wonderful weekend social distancing somewhere in the great outdoors. And right now, there are many hunters sitting in stands waiting for that velvet antlered buck to appear. And, you know, there's also hog and gator hunters trying their luck down in Florida. And, hey, sheep and caribou hunters traveling to Alaska. And bow hunters are stalking mule deer and antelope in some of the western states. And that list of opportunities and seasons just it continues to grow all across the country. And yes, it is the beginning of that magical time of the year for hunters and anglers both. And if you are inventorying your hunting gear and getting ready to sight in that rifle or or bow, putting out trail cams or hanging tree stands or popping up blinds, you've got to head on out to Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's. You're going to find everything that you need at our Fall Hunting Classic, which is underway right now. And there's great deals on the finest gear, the very best prices on everything that you'll need for this fall's hunting, shooting, fishing, backpacking, boating, kayaking, camping, and all of your outdoor adventures. You're going to find the right stuff at the right price. And I can tell you there's a host of experienced outfitters there to assist you with your questions. There's great trade-in opportunities, too. Trade in your old gear and save. Bows, crossbows, optics, game cameras, hunting boots. Check it out online at BassPro.com or Cabela's.com. Well, folks, it's August, and it may be hot where you are and here in the dog days of summer, but in some parts of the country at higher elevations, the first signs of fall are beginning to happen. And let me tell you, all across the United States and Canada, hunters are scouting, putting out trail cams, sighting in those rifles and muzzle loaders, and bow hunters are slinging arrows, tuning up for the opening day. And right here at home, uh, well, fishermen, yes, anglers south to north are tearing up redfish and tarpon. I got a chance to do that just two weeks ago. And, you know, doing all that in the salt water, there's so many opportunities, but you look to bass, salmon, walleyes in the lakes and rivers, wherever you are today, thanks for tuning in. Well, what a show we have for you today. This week, we're talking saltwater and saltwater fisheries and fishing with the president of the Center for Sport Fishing Policy, Jeff Angers. The Center for Sport Fishing Policy represents our nation's saltwater recreational fishing industry and the millions of Americans for whom recreational fishing is a way of life. Well, Jeff's president of the Center for Sport Fishing Policy, a nonprofit organization that works to maximize opportunity for saltwater recreational anglers by organizing, focusing, and engaging recreational fishing stakeholders to speak with one voice to shape federal marine fisheries management policy. Among its many accomplishments, the center spearheaded the message, uh, the great passage of the Modern Fish Act through Congress. And President Trump signed that bill uh, into law back in December 31st of 2018. Over the past 25 years, Jeff has managed congressional campaigns, lobbied legislative bodies, and written conservation policy. He's been a fundraiser, an advocate, and a sportsman. Well, prior to his role as founding president uh, of the center, Jeff served 15 years as the executive director and CEO of the Coastal Conservation Association of Louisiana. An LSU graduate, he led successful battles to outlaw indiscriminate fishing gear and protect redfish with game fish status. I was privileged to serve with Jeff on the board of the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation, and also Jeff served in leadership roles with the American Sport Fishing Association. He's president of Our Lady of Mercy School Board, and he's a father of three active children. Please welcome to Outdoor World a successful leading conservationist, an accomplished and passionate saltwater fisherman, a true leader, my good friend, Jeff Angers. Jeff, welcome to the show. Well, well, good morning, Rob. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I got to ask you, as I've asked so many of our guests over the last six months, 
how the heck are you and your family doing during this COVID stretch? And I hope over the last six months you've had a chance to go fishing. We most certainly have, uh, Rob. We've spent a little time in the Gulf of Mexico, um, off of uh, my, my my home state of Louisiana. We went to Key West uh, last month, and we had a great time. But I'll tell you, these last six or so months when we've gotten to be together, uh, I've been able to work from home quite a lot. Um, it has really been a blessing uh, to spend more time with family and to uh, and to focus on what really matters. Um, I our uh, family and our faith. So it is. Uh, uh, it's terrific to be with you and your listeners this morning, uh, and I'm and I'm and I'm thrilled to get started this morning with you. Yeah. Well, you know, as everyone's talking about this huge spike in fishing license sales, and of course, more people fishing and spending more and more time out on the water. New fishermen, reactivated fishermen. You know, it sort of appears that COVID nineteen has been one of the best R three boosts of all time, and for the most part. I've been tracking the growth in freshwater fishing. Have you seen that spike with saltwater fishing? Um, The short answer is yes. Um, Saltwater fishing is on fire. Boat sales are on fire. Tackle sales are on fire. You know, when um, when the shutdown first happened in March, the sense was that uh, the sense was that there was not a lot that that families could do. But families quickly turned in the early spring to uh, to the most popular outdoor activity there is recreational fishing with your family. Um, And I think. We've seen that reflected in in, uh, in in license sales, in tackle sales, and in boat sales. If you can use it in the outdoors, it's flying off the shelf. Everywhere yeah. th- that you look, um, big retailers, small mom and pop retailers, everything that can be used outdoors is flying off the shelves. And families are getting out into the outdoors and enjoying it as never before. Yep. Well, there's a lot more to talk about, and uh, we've got so much here. You're going to be with us for the entire show. We're going to move to our first break. We return, going to continue our conversation with Jeff. This and a whole lot more coming right up. And I'm Rob Keck, your host here on Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. Embrace the rustic elegance of a bygone era at Big Cedar Lodge. Located 10 miles south of Branson, Missouri, Big Cedar Lodge is a masterpiece that brings together natural beauty and contemporary luxury. Visitors are invited to explore and experience some of the most popular amenities here. At Big Cedar Lodge, you'll find casual dining options in an unparalleled atmosphere, with signature dishes and local favorites highlighting classic menu items. Take in spectacular views at Devil's Pool, live entertainment at the Buzzard Bar, or relax at Truman Coffee and Cafe all surrounded by the natural ambiance of the Ozark Mountains. One of the newest additions to the property is Cedar Creek Spa. This 18,000 square foot world-class spa is a private oasis with soothing pools, fireplaces, and a full service salon. In addition to the complete spa experience, there are private suites available. All of these features make Big Cedar an ideal destination for weddings, corporate gatherings, and more. Families have been visiting Big Cedar Lodge for generations, looking to experience what many call a little piece of heaven on earth. To learn more, visit BigCedar.com or call 1-800-BC-LODGE. And welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. If you've just tuned in, we're talking about marine fisheries and management, saltwater fishing with the president of the Center for Sport Fishing Policy, my good friend, Jeff Andrews. Jeff, last week, Outdoor World Show covered the president's signing into law, the Great American Outdoors Act. We captured President Trump's remarks. Secretary Bernhardt wrapped up the show with a powerful interview in the last two segments on what this legislation is going to achieve. I know you've had a chance to interact with the secretary. I'd like to get your perspective on the kind of job that you've seen come from interior and led by secretary david bernhardt well rob um secretary david bernhardt may be one of the finest men that i know um he has a clear vision 
uh, for where the Department of the Interior needs to go. And he articulates it unlike uh, most people in government. Last summer around this time, um, Rob, we were in the White House when the president was speaking about environmental uh, leadership, and he called on a number of speakers to follow him and uh, and to offer remarks. David Bernhard stood up and he explained the North American model of conservation funding, the envy of the world. And he was clear and full-throated in his advocacy of the model that funds conservation in this country. Those words uh, haven't really been spoken in the White House since Teddy Roosevelt was there. He has been a remarkable leader. Um, I am uh, I'm, I'm honored to serve on the Sport, Fishing, and Boating Partnership Council. Um, uh, currently, our our president is my friend Chris Edmonston, the president of Boat U.S., um, and we get to, to, to advise the, the Interior Secretary. But um, we are really blessed to have a man like David Bernhardt in that role, doing everything he can do to make sure the, the focus is on the future for our great outdoor spaces. Yes. I think nobody can speak to the historical perspective of conservation like Secretary Bernhardt. He did that. Any of you who listened to the show last week, you heard it, and we are so blessed, so lucky to have a leader in that position. Well, Jeff, yes, referring sir. back to the tremendous increase in people fishing during the pandemic, do you see this growing trend continuing after COVID-19 and, you know, when it's all hopefully in our rearview mirror? What do you, what do you think? Um, Rob, I really do think that that we are going to be able to retain these these new these new anglers. Um, you know, uh, we were taught when we were young that uh, that it was important to take a kid fishing. Uh, you get a kid hooked on fishing when they're young; they stay hooked for life. Um, that moms and dads are doing that out uh, outdoors now. Um, without the marketing campaigns and without the advocacy work, but that it is really organic. I mean, parents are getting their kids outdoors and they are organically getting their kids uh, hooked on fishing. I really think we retain a large majority of these young outdoorsmen and we see these trends continue. I think it's up to us to foster that um, by uh, by doing exactly what we learned when we were young. When you see an opportunity to take a kid fishing and to get a kid outdoors, do it. Don't leave them inside on their devices. Well, every morning when you wake up, what do you think about as it relates to conservation? What's top in your mind? Rob, you know, we live in a really um, divided, divisive time. Um, people all across the country um, are divided on every, uh, seemingly every issue that, uh, that there is. The thing that I wake up thinking about every morning is how do we make sure that fish and game stays bipartisan? Um, the biggest achievements that we've been able to make in the outdoors have has have come when there has been bipartisan agreement. Just and like the Great American Outdoors Act. I mean, you look at uh, that. That's exactly right. Great example. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, even the even the Modern Fish Act, um, uh, you know, sure. um, um, whatever the topic, when you get agreement from both sides of the aisle, when in the U.S. Senate you need to get 100 U.S. senators to agree to a piece of legislation for it to proceed um, under unanimous consent, it's hard to get unanimous consent on any topic. But it is so important that we ensure that everything that we do is bipartisan and that we include folks on both sides of the aisle of all backgrounds, of all races, creeds, colors, to ensure that the outdoors, the great equalizer among all Americans are available to all. Uh, that's what I wake up thinking about every morning is how we continue those relationships and how we build new ones just like that. Yeah. Well, tell us about the Center for Sport Fishing Policy. Well, um, um, you know, Rob, we were founded about 15 years ago to be an umbrella 
organization for all of the recreational, uh, the, the, the marine recreational fishing and boating groups in the country. Um, you know, there was, uh, there was a time in Washington when different groups with different acronyms um, um, all spoke at the same time. And as a result of that, um, no one in Washington heard our voice. And we knew that it was important uh, that we discipline what we say and that we speak with one voice. Um, our uh, our goal really, um, you know, Rob, for, for saltwater, uh, saltwater recreational fishing and marine conservation work, state-by-state victories really defined marine conservation for decades. And whether it was game fish status in Louisiana or Florida or the gillnet ban in Texas or, uh, or the gillnet ban in California or New York, we knew uh, that state waters issues mattered and that the next, uh, the, 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 the next battles were to be fought uh, um, over the federal process in federal waters. And that's really why the Center for Sport Fishing Policy came into existence, so that we could gather everyone together so that we could speak with one voice uh, and make sure that our partners uh, our partners were all saying the same thing, no matter which side of the aisle we were addressing and focusing on common goals and ensuring that our message was disciplined and heard so that we could move the ball in Washington. Well, you've done a tremendous job with that, Jeff. And uh, you know, we're going to talk about the Modern Fish Act here uh, just in, just a, in the next segment. And, uh, you know, the role that you've played, I mean, through the years with CCA Louisiana, uh, I mean, it's just, uh, I mean, the record speaks for itself. Well, that's going to take us to our next break. We return. We're going to be continuing our visit with Jeff. This and a whole lot more. And I'm Rob Kank, your host here of Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. Thanks for joining us, and we will be right back. Sirius XM's Rural Radio is your guide to the agricultural markets. Where expert analysts and traders join our discussion live. Your information. Open up the farm and the challenges we face. You can learn how to do it for yourself. Rural Radio, your gateway to the rural lifestyle. The latest information about hunting, fishing, and more. Rural Radio is the leader in Western sports. We talk about the latest in Western sports. Professional rodeo, bull riding. Sirius XM's Rural Radio. 147. Or listen on your phone when you get out of your car with the Sirius XM app. In 1912, Theodore Roosevelt said, There can be no greater issue than that of conservation in this country. More than a century later, his statement has never been more meaningful. The Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership promotes Roosevelt's commitment to the sporting life by guaranteeing that all Americans have quality places to hunt and fish. Visit trcp.org to learn more and take action. Welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. Thanks for joining us here. And if you've just tuned in, we're visiting with the president of the Center for Sport Fishing Policy, Jeff Angers. Jeff, share with us more on how you are going about maximizing the opportunities for saltwater recreational anglers. Well, Rob, you know, you and I served on the board of the Congressional Sportsman's Foundation for a number of years. Mm -hmm. um, and th that organization really more than any other um, has really helped to bring uh, to bring sportsmen under one umbrella on on both uh fishing fresh and salt uh, and hunting and tra trapping and outdoorsmen, period. We knew that we needed to have a focus specifically, though, on uh, on marine fisheries because um, because because we had folks who were speaking uh, who were speaking to their unique parochial interests in different regions of the country, um, but truly the precepts of um, of recreational fishing um, were universal, and we needed to make sure we could speak with one voice. We've done that, and being able and being able to move the ball has been really so gratifying. Uh, really, ever since we've gotten started. Yeah, well, Jeff, there's been a lot written about the Modern Fish Act that President Trump signed into law back in December 31st of 2018. 
There's a lot to it. First, tell us about the Morris Deal Commission and what it accomplished. <clears throat> well, um, Rob, the Morris Deal Commission was really um, the precursor to, to the Modern Fish Act. Back in 2013, you know, these things take time in federal policy. Back in 2013, leaders in the recreational fishing community were discussing challenges that we were facing in uh, in uh, in recreational fishing. Um, in federal waters. And we knew many of the things that we were against. We were against arbitrary closures. We were against indiscriminate gear. Um, But uh, your friend and mine, Johnny Morris at Bass Pro Shop and Scott Deal at Maverick Boat Group, got together and wanted to gather a group of folks together to come up with a vision, not of what we were against, but what we were for as a community. What were we going to be for when we got to Congress? What were we going to tell your you your two US senators and your your congressmen that we were for? And that work in the Commission on Saltwater Recreational Fisheries Management resulted in a vision uh, that we carried around Capitol Hill called the Morris Deal Commission. It had six major uh, topics that we wanted to focus on. And every office that we visited with Johnny Morris, with Scott Deal, uh, everywhere we went, we carried that document, and members of Congress ultimately knew what it was that we were for. We were for a well-managed recreational fishery in America's oceans because recreational fishing and commercial fishing are fundamentally different activities and they need to be managed differently. And that very simple message over the course of the ensuing years is what got us to the introduction of the Modern Fish Act. Well, give us some more information then as that Morris Deal uh, vision led into the Modern Fish Act. What is it doing? Well, so, um, so you know, the, the first thing that I want to point out Rob, is that the leader of the Modern Fish Act uh, was Senator Roger Wicker uh, from Mississippi. He's the chairman of the Senate Commerce Committee, which oversees the Department of Commerce, where NOAA Fisheries resides. Um, And he was the leader of the Modern Fish Act in the Senate. And Congressman Garrett Graves, my congressman, from um, from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, was the lead sponsor in the House. It's noteworthy that we had two southeast uh, southeastern members of Congress step up to take the lead on this piece of legislation. It's noteworthy because, in terms of marine fisheries in our country, all decisions for the last forty years have been made in the Pacific Northwest and the North Pacific. Yeah, uh, sure. All of the laws and rules and regulations around um, marine fishing revolved around the commercial sector in the Bering Sea and the North Pacific. Um, and so, hence we had, hence we had the the name of the act, the Magnuson Stevens Act. Senator Magnuson from the state of Washington, Senator Stevens. From from the state of Alaska. But today, uh, the most activity in, uh, in, in saltwater fishing is in the southeast. It's in the southeast where most of the recreation in the country occurs. And that's what really led Senator Wicker and Congressman Graves and Senator Shelby and so many others to step up um, and want to lead this, lead this important effort. This effort was really never designed to take anything away from commercial fishing, but instead it was designed to put recreational fishing on a similar footing uh, with commercial fishing. Commercial fishermen are few in number, and they land their catch at generally the same ports of call. Recreational fishermen, like you and me, 
are uh, are millions. There's ten millions. There's ten million of us, and we land our fish all all over. And it is difficult for any fe- federal agency to count our fish. Like I would often say, what what percentage of a metric ton do my three kids get when we go fishing? <laughs> That's not the way that you figure out fishing limits. Recreational fishing needs to be managed with seasons and size limits and bag limits. That's what works in state waters for all 50 states. And we wanted to encourage, require the National Marine Fishery Service to look to the kinds of management measures that worked for, for, for recreational fishing in state waters as they were managing us, us in federal waters. Yeah. Well, we're just about out of time in this segment. But, uh, you know, as you mentioned, that legislation to get it passed in both houses, bipartisan support, getting the president's signature on it, putting it into law, you know, is nothing short of a miracle, especially when we look at how divided this country is today. And, you know, what you have talked about, uh, you know, this effort, I mean, there were champions that formulated and championed this plan. And I know all of us that uh, are here on the sidelines looking to you guys we salute you for the job jeff that you and and others and and those in congress uh took part in to make this all happen when we come back i want to talk about the modern fish act uh, as a law and how it's enforced so with that we're out of time in this segment take us to our next break when we return going to continue our conversation with jeff i'm rob Keck, and you're listening to bass pro shops outdoor world and we will be right back This is a public service announcement test from TakeMeFishing.org to determine if you need a fishing license and boat registration before heading out on the water. Let's begin. Are you a bear? Do you have a beak? Does your name rhyme with old beagle? Do you dart in front of cars? Here's a tough one. Do you have plumage? Do you rub your body against things to mark them? Do you have webbed feet? No, I mean like a... Were you hatched? Do you have fur? I'm not talking back here. Does your boat fly south for the winter with the other boats? Regardless of how you answer, you need to be licensed and registered because it helps local conservation efforts protect the very natural resources you enjoy boating and fishing in for generations to come. Do your part at TakeMeFishing.org. And we are back, and welcome to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And if you've just tuned in, my guest is the president of the Center for Sport Fishing Policy, Jeff Angers. Jeff, share with us uh, more about uh, uh, the enforcement of the Modern Fish Act. Uh, you know, enforcement is a, is a big challenge with all of our state and federal agencies. And, uh, you know, when you have something new that uh, comes about, sometimes it takes a while for, you know, that law to, to really be embraced and, and move forward. Talk to us about that enforcement, if you would. Yes, sir. So, um, so Rob, you know, whenever Congress passes a law, um, the the folks who work in the uh, in the federal government in the agencies um, have to implement the law. Um, it is human nature that uh, that um, we grow accustomed to doing things a certain way in our in our daily life, in our jobs, and um, it is often difficult to. Uh, to nudge uh, folks that work in in federal agencies to make changes, even though Congress has told them to do it. Um, and so the implementation of any law requires um, requires people paying attention, paying attention to the detail. Um, the Modern Fish Act has five major um, five five major points, and we decided to to um, to give a report card to the government um, every few months on how they were doing enforcing the Modern Fish Act, um, and we've graded them on a simple green, yellow, red. 
um, uh, system. Um, and of the five, um, the, the, the federal government gets two greens, two yellows, and one red. Um, and your, your, your listeners can see our, um, our progress report on our website, sportfishingpolicy.com. There's a link on our homepage at sportfishingpolicy.com. But the, the enforcement implementation of any law um, is not an event. It's a process. And uh, I know that the folks at the National Marine Fishery Service are trying to get to all greens. We want them to get to all greens. And we think that it's really been a good progress, a, a good process for, for us to all focus on this. Yeah. Jeff, in the South Atlantic, in the Gulf, uh, you know, the recreational fishing and boating community, they've, they've long advocated for the use of descending devices to, to reduce the mortality of, of these prized reef fish, bringing about the need for a descending device, especially when you look at red snapper and, and grouper. Tell us about the Descend Act of 2019, or also it's been referred to, known as the Direct Enhancement uh, of of uh, snapper conservation and the economy through novel devices of 2019. It's quite a mouthful, but tell us about that act. <laughs> yes. Well, so um, well, well. So first, let me describe Rob why descending devices are important. Um, whenever a deep water fish, one that lives more than 30 foot down, is brought rapidly to the surface, um, they experience barotrauma. It's 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 much akin to what a scuba diver a scuba diver would um, would experience in getting the bends when they come too rapidly to the surface. There are challenges. Yeah. Uh, so barotrauma with a fish is a condition where the buildup of gas pressure in their bodies makes it difficult or impossible for them to swim back down. And if a fisherman releases the fish because of size, bag limit, or season restrictions, the fish likely doesn't survive, and it really is wanton waste to throw a fish back that you know is not going to be able to make it down. A descending device is a simple device um, that is a weighted hook or a lip clamp or a box that will hold the fish while it is lowered to a sufficient depth so that it can recover from the effects of barotrauma and then release the fish. Um, In the South Atlantic, there have been moves by the regulatory agencies to require the use of descending devices by regulation. We we definitely support those those regulations enthusiastically. In the Gulf there are challenges to that same regulation uh, that require us to pass legislation through Congress, and that's the uh, the reason why we've 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 encouraged the passage of the Descend Act, so that the same activity that's now required in the uh, in the South Atlantic is going to be required in the Gulf, which is the possession of a. Uh, of a descending device so that you can use it if you choose. I don't know about you, but whenever I've got kids on the boat, kids love new gadgets on boats. And (laughs) if we're saving fish for us to be able to catch another day, what a great message for us to send our kids and grandkids. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I know the economic impact of uh, reef fisheries in the Gulf of Mexico is huge. But give us some insight into the economic impact of our nation's reef fisheries, uh, both recreationally and, and commercially. Well, so, um, Rob, you know, the federal government just came out with with uh, with new numbers in their document called Fisheries Economics of the United States. It um, it looks at the uh, the economic value uh, of fisheries in 2018, the latest year. Uh, for which there are records. Um, nationally, in the recreational fishing industry, um, we we generate $75 billion in total sales. $75 billion is a big number. It's a really big number. Um, the commercial sector, um, uh, the, the commercial sector, um, 
um, generates $53 billion in total sales. Now, when you remove the, when you remove commercial fisheries with no recreational component, like for instance, the, the, the oyster fishery or the shrimp fishery, um, the commercial, commercial fisheries really only generated about $20 billion in sales wow. and only 5 billion of that tied directly to the, to the harvesting sector. But, uh, the reason why the recreational sector is at $75 billion, Rob, I often tell people, you know, commercial fishermen um, fish with very efficient gear for a living. Um, recreational fishermen like like you and me uh, use very inefficient gear. I, I always note my single hook in the <laughs> Lord's vast ocean. Um, um uh, I really want there to be a lot of fish out there in hopes that a fish is going to find his way onto my hook. Um, that's why we generate so much more economic activity because of the inefficiencies of recreational fishing. We often chuckle about how often how often a guy might hide from his spouse uh, how much he spends on duck hunting uh, <laughs> because if you were to divide that by the number of ducks that you catch, well, think about it in recreational fishing. When you go out and you buy a boat, motor, trailer, when you buy tackle, uh, when you buy everything else that you need to take your family on the water, it's the same kind of a comparison. $75 billion is a big number. It is. Well, look, that's going to take us to our next break. We return, going to continue our visit with Jeff right here on Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. This is Rob Keck, and we will be right back. We all have it. Whether it was passed down from our fathers or grandfathers, we knew it was there, inside us. That need, that longing to walk among the wild. But it's more than just our love of the outdoors that keeps us coming back. It's knowing we serve a purpose, to give more than we take. That we're here to carry on a legacy and become stewards of our wildlife. This place embodies that legacy with over a mile and a half of walkable trails and 35,000 live fish, mammals, reptiles, amphibians, and birds to teach and inspire. Stop and you'll feel it. Listen and you'll hear it. Asking you to share the wonder. The Wonders of Wildlife National Museum and Aquarium. Share the wonder. And we are back, and thanks for tuning in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And if you've just tuned in, we're talking with the founding president of the Center for Sports Fishing Policy, my good friend, Jeff Angers. And we're talking about the challenges, the accomplishments of managing marine fisheries. Uh, my gosh, I'll tell you, it is just amazing to, to see what uh, you have been able to do, Jeff, with, with Congress, getting them to understand. But... You know, with what you've just said in this prior segment, you know, commercial fishing harvests 90% of the fish from our federal waters, recreational fishing 10%. When you're working with Congress, do you ever sense there's any confusion in the minds of, the, of those, those legislators between recreational and commercial fishing? Um, it, uh, Rob, you know, um, we have a uh, have really good lines of communication with the members of Congress who are focused on natural resource issues. Um, you know, um, commercial and recreational fishermen aren't always in competition with one another. Both sectors uh, want there to be a healthy resource. Um, we do try to make sure, uh, though, um, that that the members of Congress recognize that uh, that recreational fishing is not a uh, that marine recreational fishing is not an issue that's only a coastal uh, issue, mm -hmm. because in so many cases, so many of the manufacturers of so many of the products that we use in salt water um, are located in interior states. 
Um, you know, Senator Jim Inhofe from Oklahoma is a fisherman just like you, Rob. He trailers his own boat to the coast in Texas, uh, puts it in the water himself, catches his own fish, cleans them, and eats them with his family and his grandkids. Oh, wow. um, he's, he's, he's one of us. There, yeah. are, there are so many members of the Senate uh, who live in interior states like Oklahoma, like Missouri, like Arkansas, uh, who get to the coast. And because they're just like us, they understand the difference. Yeah. Well, that's great. Good news. Well, Jeff, tell us about NOAA Fisheries Rule uh, requiring those descending devices in the South Atlantic federal waters from North Carolina to Florida. I know we've touched on this, but just just trigger that again, if you would. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, Rob, uh, last year, um, um, anglers fishing in federal waters off North Florida caught uh, caught and released about 3 million Atlantic red snapper. Um, we know that the release mortality is about 30%. So what that means is about 900,000 fish uh, were discarded and died. Um, when you compare those 900,000 fish to the 2020 season, um, and, and the limit this year was 30,000 fish, Let's think about that for a second. The discard mortality last year was 30 times the allowable catch for this year. Um, we are enthusiastic supporters of the use of descending devices so that we can so that we can reduce discord mortality. So many partners of this show, our friends at CCA through their project called Release Sense, our friends at ASA through their pro- project called Project Fish Smart, and Shimano have worked hard to advocate for the use of these descending devices, and they are already making a difference in the South. Atlantic. That's great. Look, we're going to run out of time. I've got so many more questions here, so let's try to, to fit them in. But I wanted to ask, as a result of that, could this possibly translate into longer seasons for anglers? Yes, indeed. Between the fish saved through reductions in release mortality and just this year, changes in fishing effort due to COVID-related closures and weather challenges during the season, I think those could indeed translate into to longer seasons in the South Atlantic for the red snapper fishery. Good news. Well, Jeff, you've been working hard, and I know most recently this past week as we've talked, I think on the California AB 3030, it's it's my understanding that uh, this is just another battle aiming to lock away 30% of the state land and water by 2030 and blocking out the fishing and the boating opportunities to, to sportsmen and women. Tell us about this plan for unreasonable restrictions on public access and closures to recreational fishing and boating and the overlying situation that this is not only happening in California, but is going to touch all 50 states. Yeah, Rob, you know, there is a global initiative uh, that was launched last year called 30 by 30. Um, It's being pushed by some of the big environmental groups um, and by one of the UN UN committees um, to to protect, is their phrase, to protect 30% of the world's land and water by the year 2030. Um, We expect that legislation will hit state capitals in all 50 states. We expect that it will that it, that it will go to Congress as well, uh, because it is because uh, it's an important initiative by the environmental community. One of the first stops along the way is the state of California. Uh, the bill that uh, was introduced there is AB 3030. The bill quickly passed the assembly. It's currently being debated in the state senate. Um, um, you know, our biggest concern about this whole movement to, quote, protect 30% of land and water, including salt water, um, is whether or not this legislation will acknowledge the protections that currently exist. You know, the way we manage our land and water is pretty darn responsibly already. Uh, and we want to ensure that the that the existing protections are acknowledged before there are going to be any changes or anything overlaid on top of that. Mm-hmm. 
Well, there's certainly going to be an economic price to pay if this bill passes in California. And, you know, when you look at not just California, but nationally, you know, what what do anglers spend on fishing outings each year? Well, so in California, they spend uh, about $2.5 billion uh, annually. Uh, Marine recreational fishing supports 2,800 businesses and 41,000 jobs. I mean, this is a real, uh, a real live issue that affects the, the economy of the state of California and every state where this matter is going to be brought up. Well... We're just about out of time here, but, uh, you know, people listening to this broadcast, uh, you know, that don't live in California, but these type of restrictions that are happening everywhere to eliminate access, what can we do here just in the last 30 seconds to fight this? Well, um, Rob, I think it's important that we focus on uh, on our message. America's anglers and boaters are America's original environmentalists. Through our license fees and excise taxes, we are the largest contributor to state fish and wildlife conservation, and we are deeply concerned about any movement that that could uh, that could dissuade people from getting engaged in the outdoors. We already pay for all the management that goes on out there. We need to make sure that our voice is heard through our local groups that are supporting sportsmen at our state capitals, wherever you are, whether it's whether it's Oregon or Florida or Maine or California, you need to be engaged with your local folks fighting these challenges. Look, great words, great words of advice. We're going to take our final break of the show. We come back, we're going to continue our conversation with Jeff. This and a whole lot more coming right up. You're listening to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. This is Rob Kank, and we will be right back. Years ago, sportsmen led the first revolt to save what was left of North America's dwindling wildlife resources, and it took purpose and commitment. This crusade began with Theodore Roosevelt's forming the Boone and Crockett Club in 1887. Since then, sportsmen and women have been at the forefront of every environmental revolution in this country, providing the vision, funding, and manpower to establish and run what has become the most successful system of wildlife management in the history of mankind. Yet, to this day, our story remains relatively unknown, especially to those who don't hunt or fish. We must tell this story, but we need to do more than that. We must insist that others who claim to be conservationists but work tirelessly on campaigns to end all hunting honestly examine the evidence and then ask themselves where would the wildlife they cherish be without sportsmen's dollars and without sportsmen's efforts. Conservation had a beginning, but it has no end. To learn more, visit booneandcrocketclub.com. And welcome back to our final segment of Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And we've been having a wonderful visit about marine fisheries, their management, and the politics that impact saltwater fishing, access, and recreation with my good friend, Jeff Angers. Jeff, can you share what's next for the Center for Sport Fishing Policy, some of the plans that you're looking at? Well, Rob, we expect that... Uh, that um that next Congress, there will be an opportunity for us to revisit the Modern Fish Act and perhaps look to a Modern Fish Mm 2.0. We know that the core sponsors of the bill, the visionaries of the bill knew that there were a few things that uh, that had to get left on the cutting room floor as as we got the first measure across the finish line. We want to go back for those. um, And we feel like we've got the momentum to to do just that. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, I know that our listeners are interested, you know, many like uh, you mentioned, uh, Congressman Inhofe, uh, you know, here's somebody from Oklahoma that travels to the to the coast to, to fish saltwater. How can our listeners find out more about the great work of CSP? Um, Rob, it's, it's, it's very simple. Uh, just visit our website, sportfishingpolicy.com. That's sportfishingpolicy.com. And if you're interested in becoming a member, you can click the membership tab. I will say, Rob, a special thank you to you and to Bass Pro. Y'all have been a member from, from the get-go, uh, and Bass Pro has made a difference in, in in us getting across the finish line on every single win that we've ever had. Thank you for Bass Pro's commitment to CSP. 
Well, thanks for your leadership as well. You know, fall fishing, as we both know, can be really exciting, especially when you look at those big bull reds that are running in late October and early November. i got to ask you very quickly, any exciting fishing trips coming up for you? Yes. Um, fall fishing is my favorite. It's when the water gets skinny. It's when the water gets clear. Um, to me, the most beautiful place in the world to fish um, is where the mighty Mississippi uh, meets the Gulf of Mexico in Venice, Louisiana. Um, the fall redfish fishing in Venice is uh, is just over the top. Fantastic. If you've never been, please come. I'd love to see you down there. I want to join you sometime. Well, look, you're an LSU grad, and as we all know, LSU defending national NCAA national champions of college football. And assuming that there might be football this season and Joe Burrows is going to the NFL, is there a repeat of this past season in the works? Um, I sure hope so. I sure hope so, Rob. Um, um, Rob, you know, Joe Burrow was a special, uh, a special football player. He was he was a blessing on our community here in Baton Rouge. Um, a boy from Ohio that came down here and stole the hearts of kids like my son, uh, of 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 kids and grownups all around the region. Perhaps the best football player that uh, that 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 we're ever going to see. Um, and and the guy that's his successor, Miles Brennan. He's a good guy as well. And uh, depending on what football we play, we can't wait to see the Tigers take the field. <laughs> Jeff, I know that your dad had a huge impact on your commitment to conservation. There was an admonition to you that uh, I know has been important in your life and in the way that you've addressed conservation matters. Would you mind sharing it with our listeners? Yeah, Rob, my dad um, Bob Andrews Jr. was a publisher. He died about 30 years ago, and I miss him very much. Um, But he always shared with all of us, um, all eight kids, uh, something every, every time we left home, and especially when we were in the outdoors. Simply this, leave it better than you found it. That's your job. Leave it better than you found it. Um, I think about it often. I try to instill it into my three kids, uh, and I'd encourage your listeners to to, to think about it as well. I think it's a great, great uh, motto to live by, a great way to close out this show. And I'm going to give you here in the last 20 seconds a final thought before we close out. Um, um, Rob, um, my final thought is a is a is a thank you to you because you have been a leader in conservation all across this country for decades um, your beautiful voice ringing out across the country and bringing the good news of the outdoors into homes all over the country you are an inspiration to me and to so many of our 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 partners in conservation thank you for all that you do and keep it up Thank you. Thank you so much. Jeff, thanks for being with us today in Outdoor World. Thanks for your conservation leadership, the many, many decades that you've committed. Best of luck out there in the water this fall, and especially with those kids. Folks, that's going to wrap it up today right here on Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. I'm Rob Keck. On behalf of Bass Pro Shops, where the adventure always starts right here. Thanks for answering the call. That call to preserving rich hunting, fishing, and trapping heritage. We'll see you next week. This has been Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, talking all things outdoors, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops, your outdoor leader. Join us next Saturday and every Saturday for more special guests and unique locations. 